Word of God to which we turn and which we consider this morning is found in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, our scripture reading will be part of 1 Peter chapter 1 and then also through verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. The reason that we include part of 1 Peter 1 in our scripture reading is because 1 Peter 1 also makes mention of the word of the gospel, namely the preaching of that gospel. 1 Peter 1, we'll begin reading at verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, 
a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We read the word of God thus far. May God bless to us that reading of his holy and inspired word. Our text, as we turn to that now, is found in verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 through 6 of First Peter chapter 2. Let me read that again. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Beloved in Christ, the question that a pastor asks himself, asks himself often, and asks himself repeatedly, is what does the church need in the preaching of the word? And more specifically today, as I begin my ministry here, I ask myself, what does this congregation need in the preaching? What do the families of God's people here need? What do those who are elderly need? What do those who are married need? What do those who are single need? What do our children need to hear? What do our young people need to hear? What is needed by those who are afflicted? What is needed by those who are burdened with the guilt of sin? What is needed by those who are struggling with temptation and sin? And what is it that this congregation needs in light of the difficult years that you have been through during your vacancy? And the answer to those questions is that the church and every member of the church needs the same thing. And that need is not a man or anything that a man might do or anything that a man might say but that need of the church is always and only Jesus Christ. And so in answer to those questions, the response is the church needs a sermon today. This church needs a sermon today and every time about 
the Lord Jesus Christ. We all know from Scripture that 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 is exactly what a pastor must do. He must preach the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 and 2 where the Apostle Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And again in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. The preacher of the word must be one who preaches Christ-centered sermons and who must be Christ-centered in all of his teaching in the church of Christ. That is a weighty responsibility, no doubt about it. But that is also a great privilege that is given to the minister of the word. That one who is himself simply an earthen vessel, as Scripture de describes the minister of the word, an earthen vessel, a clay pot, and who is, in addition to being simply an earthen vessel, also a sinner, may preach the blessed gospel for the comfort and for the salvation of the people of God. That's a privilege something that the minister of the word and that I as a minister of the gospel count to be an honor and a joy to do that. And so with all of that in mind, beloved, we turn our attention to our text, a text that directs our focus away from any and every man, and puts our focus upon him whom the church needs and him who every believer needs, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only because we need him today, but because we always need him. Our theme, then, as we consider this word of God, is the cornerstone of the church. And three things concerning that, the cornerstone's identity, the spiritual house built on it, and thirdly, the preciousness of that stone. You'll notice, beloved, that our text speaks about Zion. And Zion as you know, was the mountain on which the city of Jerusalem was built, in which city was the temple of God. And Zion, therefore, represented the Old Testament church. Represents more than that, represents the church of Christ in every age, represents all of the elect of God, but first of all, 
Zion represented the church as an institute where the people of God gathered to worship God. And so Zion in our text represents the instituted church of Christ today, too. Zion refers, you could say, to Dune Protestant Reformed Church. And Zion, the church, is compared in our text to a building, to a house that is, as the text emphasizes, made of stones. Stones are mentioned throughout. There is Christ, who is the living stone, mentioned in verse 4. There are the members of the church in verse 5, who are the lively stones in the church. And then in verse 6, the mention is made of the chief cornerstone of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) The first stone that the church needs when the church is being built by God, is the cornerstone. And that's the first stone that God provides for his church. When the text speaks about cornerstone, a cornerstone, we must not think of a cornerstone as cornerstones exist in buildings today. could say that our church building here has two cornerstones. They're on the south side of the building. and They have dates inscribed on them, 1975, 2022. Those cornerstones were added to the building when the building was well underway in its construction, almost completed, perhaps. And those cornerstones are simply symbolic cornerstones. The idea of cornerstone in the text, however, is very different from that. The cornerstone in the church that the text speaks of is the most important stone in the church. The cornerstones in our church building, the church building could exist without them, but not the the building that the text speaks of. The cornerstone was a stone that had to be very carefully chosen before a building was even constructed. And sometimes it might have taken months even for the builder to find the right cornerstone for that building. First of all, the cornerstone had to have a very sharp 90 degree angle on it because the walls were built according to the angle on that cornerstone. And if it was anything less than 90 degrees, the walls would not be square with each other. But secondly, that cornerstone needed to have a very flat surface too. If it did not have a flat surface, the building that would be constructed on that cornerstone would not be flat, would not be horizontal, and therefore it would have a weakness in it. 
And then thirdly, the cornerstone had to be a very strong stone, able to carry and to hold the weight of the whole building on that cornerstone. And so it was carefully chosen, and it was a stone that was laid first in the ground when the building was constructed because it supported the building. And then that stone determined the shape of the building, the size of the building, as well as the strength of that building. And if the wrong stone was chosen, the building might very well collapse at the very first breeze of wind that would come. But if it was the right stone, then the building was solid and sure. Jesus Christ is that cornerstone for the church, for his church. And following that figure, that means first of all that the Lord Jesus Christ determines everything that the church is. Jesus Christ determines the size of the church. He determines the shape of the church. He determines the strength of the church, of our church. The text says concerning him in verse 4 that he is a living stone. And then the text says in verse 5 that we are lively stones. Why are we lively stones? Why are we stones that have life? Because Christ is a living stone. The text mentions that we are an holy priesthood. Why are God's people saints? Why are we called holy ones in Scripture? Because Christ, our cornerstone, is holy the holy, eternal Son of God. The text mentions that Christ is the elect of God. And that's why we are the elect of God, because Christ is that. The text says that Christ is precious, precious to God. And because he is precious to God, we who are built on that cornerstone are also precious to God. It is Christ who determines everything that we are as a church and everything that we are as believers. The source of every virtue and the source of every grace that is in the church and that is in the people of God, is Jesus Christ. But he is also the one who gives strength to the church. We are built on him, and it is that cornerstone that supports the building. It is Christ that keeps the church strong, it is Christ that keeps this church in existence because it is Christ who defends the church. It is Christ who makes sure 
that the church is not destroyed but continues to stand. And so we exist today. We exist today as a congregation here in Dune, Iowa. We exist not because of men, but we exist because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very significant, beloved, that he is described in the text as the elect or chosen cornerstone. God chose the Lord Jesus Christ to be the cornerstone. He is the elect of God. He is first in God's decree of election. We are elect, but we never would be elect without God first choosing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so scripture says in Isaiah 42 verse 1 that God chose Christ first. He is God's elect. And then in Ephesians 1 says concerning us that we are elect because we are chosen in him, in Christ. So God has chosen from all eternity Christ as the cornerstone of the church. Men would not have done that. The text says that. Verse 4, he was chosen of God, but he was disallowed indeed of men. Men would not have chosen Christ to be the cornerstone of the church because man by nature does not want Christ in the church and in his life. And so men disallowed him, they disapproved of him, and they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want him as the cornerstone of the church. That's true of all men by nature, but that became clearly evident when our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. Verse 7 spells that out even more where it says the stone, quoting from Psalm 118, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. The builders disallowed this stone. The builders of the church disallowed this stone. Those whom God had appointed to be used of him for the building of the church, they disallowed this stone. And that was true when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth and became very evident when he came to this earth. The Jewish leaders, those who were to guide the church to Christ, pointed the church away from Christ. They didn't want him in the church and they didn't want Christ in the church because they wanted man and the works of man to be present in the church and in the life of the people of God. Think of the Pharisees who created law upon law as the way to salvation. Thoroughly Arminian in their thinking and in their approach. And so they disallowed Christ. And not only that, not only was it that they said, we disapprove of him as the cornerstone, but they got rid of him. They crucified and they killed him. 
And they said, we don't want Christ in the church at all. Not the Christ of Scripture. And still today, man doesn't want the Christ of Scripture as the church's cornerstone. There are churches who don't want a Christ who is sovereign in salvation. They claim man is not totally depraved. They claim man has some good in him. And they don't want the Christ of Scripture because then man cannot have a little bit of the glory for salvation. There are churches who don't want to hear and don't want to be told, you are wretched sinners, you can do no good of yourself, and you need the Lord Jesus Christ to do all the work of salvation. All of it. They don't want to hear that. And so, still today, Christ is disallowed. Christ is rejected. Men take up a hammer and a chisel, and they chisel away at the cornerstone, at Christ, and shape that cornerstone to be what they want it to be. A cornerstone that is weak. A cornerstone that is dependent upon man. And they do that to their own destruction. But the church needs God's Son as her cornerstone. We need Christ as our cornerstone. Without Him, we would not exist. Without Christ and the truth of Christ as that is revealed to us in the Scriptures, this church would have disappeared long ago would no longer be a church of Christ. Without Christ as the cornerstone of the church, there would not be salvation for the church and the people of God. Without Christ as the cornerstone of the church, there would no, be no faith amongst those who gather in the church. Without Christ as the cornerstone, there would not be the salvation of believers and their children. God has been good. And God in his goodness has laid the Lord Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of our church. Has preserved us in the truth of scripture concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning his sovereign grace and concerning his sovereign work of salvation, has provided us in Jesus Christ with the cornerstone that we urgently and always need. Let God be praised for that. How has, God, how has God done that? 
How has God laid Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of this congregation of God's people? Well, God has done that, and God always does it by means of the faithful preaching of the gospel. That's why we read from chapter 1 especially verse 25 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Then also the immediate context for our text, verses 1 through 3, that speak as well of the preaching of the gospel, and speak of this in verse 2, of us as newborn babes desiring the milk of the word, desiring the faithful preaching of the gospel that we might grow thereby. And desiring it because we have tasted, verse 3, we have tasted through the preaching of the word of God that the Lord is gracious. And having tasted the grace of God as that grace is given to us through the preaching of the word of God, we desire more and more of that grace of God. And so God has provided us with faithful preaching and has used that faithful preaching in which Christ is the theme and in which Christ is the the content of the sermons in which Christ is, when the word is faithfully preached, the one speaking to us powerfully He has used that to lay the cornerstone, the solid, firm, most reliable foundation for the church, Christ himself. That means that the preaching of the word must be the preaching of Christ. There is no hope for churches that have Christless sermons. Such preaching has no power. Christ is not there. There is no comfort. There is no salvation. There is no blessing. The true preaching of Christ is needed, and all the truth of Christ must be proclaimed. Because Christ is the church's greatest need. And when the word of God is faithfully proclaimed, when Christ is preached, then the cornerstone is laid. Then you have in this church the Jesus Christ that you and I need. But if Christ is not preached, then the church and her members have nothing. If Christ is not preached, then the church really is doomed. That's how crucial it is to have the faithful preaching of the gospel of Christ. I trust 
we will all make sure that we continue to have that by the grace of God. But secondly, this morning, beloved, God builds the church <coughs> and builds every member of the church upon that cornerstone, who is Christ. Verse 5, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The church is built on the cornerstone. And what's very clear from the outset from our text is that the building of the church is the work of God. Not the work of man, the work of God. Ye also as lively stones are built. That's passive. We do not do something. Something is done to us. The church is not built by men. Pastors do not, through their work in the church, produce people of God who are lively stones. Pastors do not, through their work in the church, produce people of God who are a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God. God does that work. God does not rely upon men. Yes, God is pleased to use men, because God is a God who uses means, but God doesn't need men. He builds his church. He saves his people. And the church that God builds is, as the text says, a spiritual house. It's not a physical house. It's not an earthly house. Often when you hear others talk about the building of the church, and maybe we can sometimes slip into that thinking too, all the talk is about physical things. The building of a church referring to its size and referring to the numbers of members in the church. The building of the church referring to the size of the church building. The building of the church referring according to men's speech concerning it to the church's reputation and the church's accomplishments and the church being recognized in its community. That's not the kind of church that God builds. God builds the church to be a spiritual house. God builds up his people to be, as the text says, living stones. Living stones because they are regenerated by the power of the grace of God in them. Living stones because God has converted them and continues to convert them throughout their lives. A spiritual house because God causes the members of his church by the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be spiritual members who are spiritually minded, who seek the things that are above and not things that are here below. 
He causes the church to be a spiritual house made up of holy members who are a holy priesthood to God and who offer up spiritual sacrifices of praise and obedience and thanksgiving to God. That's the work of God, not the work of man. The work of God, and so it must be, because the stones that God takes and that God builds upon the cornerstone are stones that are of themselves ugly stones. They're all misshapen. They cannot be used as they are in the building. And so God must fashion and shape us to be a glorious church. And he does that, as he alone can do. Clothing us with the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, shaping us after him, shaping us to be like him upon whom we are built. How does God do that? The means that God uses is, once again, the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the word that proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ. The preaching of the word that is, as the scripture says, the power of God unto salvation. Preaching that the world considers foolishness but preaching that God uses to build his church and to shape and to fashion every member to be a glorious stone in that church. The preaching is the, that is the power of God to save because the preaching is what God uses to call his people out of darkness into light. The preaching is what God uses to work faith in those who are the members of the church. The preaching is what God uses to justify and to sanctify and to preserve the people of God in their salvation. Faithful preaching produces especially and strengthens especially faith in the people of God. That is, faith in God's people that looks to Christ faith that trusts in Jesus Christ, faith that believes in Jesus Christ, a faith that turns to Jesus Christ for everything. And so when the word of God is preached, then we, as the text mentions, come to Jesus Christ, verse 4. Coming to him is believing on him, verse 6. God works that kind of faith by means of the preaching. The faith by which you come to Jesus Christ because you hear the voice of your Savior through the faithful preaching of the Word of God. You hear the voice of your Savior 
calling you by spiritual names that you have, such as burdened, laboring, heavy laden, when he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You come to him when you are burdened by sin. The preaching of the gospel calls you to come to him and he works faith in you to come to him. And your faith finds rest for your soul only in Christ. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Rest in him. You come to him when he preaches the word and you are laboring under the burden of the responsibilities that he has laid upon you in life. As a parent, as an office bearer, or whatever the responsibility is. Too many responsibilities, you might say, and too difficult to carry them out. But you turn to Christ by faith, and you find in him the strength and the help that you need. You come to him when you are overwhelmed by troubles, where when there are times in your life that it seems there's nowhere to turn and no one understands, you go to Christ. He understands. He understands. And by means of the preaching of Christ, you find in him all the strength and all the comfort and all the peace and all the courage you need to continue on as a pilgrim in this life. The church is built by faithful preaching of the word. The church is not built, that is, the church is not saved through powerful orators, church is not built and saved by means of persuasive speakers. The church is not built and the people of God are not saved on account of a popular preacher. And woe to any man who thinks that the church needs him for that church to be built. Woe to the man that thinks that he can save the people of God, that he can comfort them, that he can be the one that produces faith in them and all the rest. Not man. The church and the elect of God are built by means of the preaching of Jesus Christ. preaching in which Christ himself speaks so, they, so that the elect hear him and the elect are saved and strengthened and comforted by Christ. Today and every Sunday, 
and always we need the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And when that gospel is faithfully preached, then we say, Christ is precious to us. You'll notice that the text mentions in verse 4 that Christ is precious, and then again at the in verse, verse 7, immediately following the text, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. In verse 4, the emphasis is on the fact that Christ is precious to God. He is the elect of God. He is precious to God, his Father. Precious as the only begotten Son of God. Eternally dwelling in the bosom of the Father, his eternally beloved precious to as he came into this world how many times did not God say concerning the Lord Jesus Christ while he was on earth this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased very precious to God but precious also to us who believe. Precious as he is presented to us in the preaching of the gospel and precious as he himself speaks to us through faithful preaching. His voice is a voice we love to hear. Why is Christ so precious to you? is precious because in him is everything that you need. In Christ is the comfort you need when you fall into sin. Because in him there is forgiveness, full and free. And in him is the grace to flee and to fight against sin. He is precious because in him and from him is your strength to fulfill your calling in life. Your strength to be a godly husband. Your strength to be a faithful wife. Your strength to be an office bearer, your strength in whatever work and calling the Lord gives. He is precious to you and me because he is our companion when we are all alone. He is precious to us because from him comes the joy we need when we are deep deep in the valley of sorrow and grief. He is precious to us because he is the Lord who rules over all things from the right hand of God and rules over all things to save and to protect you and me, his precious sheep. 
He is precious to us because he is our friend who is near. There is a friend who is closer than a brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is precious to us because in him, in him and through him we have the hope of a place in the eternal heavenly Zion of which the earthly Zion is a picture. And because he is so precious, the believer by faith goes always to him. To him. Believing and trusting in him alone. And that means, beloved, <coughs> casting aside ourselves, putting aside our works, putting away all of our pride, and coming to our Lord Jesus Christ empty-handed, empty-handed, simply coming to him this way, saying, O wretched man that I am, a sinner, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Coming to him as one who confesses your sins and your unworthiness before God and your need of much grace from God in Christ his Son. And coming to him, confessing your complete dependence upon him for everything, for everything. Believing and trusting in him, who is your only hope for this life and your only hope for eternity. And the promise of God in our text is this in verse 6 He that believeth on him shall not be confounded shall not be disappointed. That's the meaning. That's the promise of Christ. So Christ says to us, you will never be disappointed. I will never disappoint you. You will never come to me, he says, seeking forgiveness for your sins and be turned away with me saying to you, forgiveness is not for you. I'll never say that, Christ says. You will never seek holiness from me, Christ says, and then discover that sanctification is for other believers, but not for you. You will never seek comfort from me in the midst of the troubles of life and discover that I refuse to give you that comfort. You will never seek my righteousness and then find out on the day of judgment you don't have my righteousness. You will never be disappointed. Blessed promise of Christ our faithful Savior. 
If Jesus Christ is precious to us, then so also is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need that preaching, that faithful preaching of the word, crucial for the salvation of believers and their children, for the salvation of all of us here. So may we pray for that. Pray that the Lord strengthens your pastor to preach the gospel. And pray that God will maintain faithful preaching of his word here for us and for our salvation in our generation. And pray that God will also continue to give you the desire to hear the voice of Christ every Lord's Day through faithful preaching of his word so that we may come to God's house every Sunday to hear the voice of Christ and to find in him, through preaching, everything that we need. May God Bless us. Amen. Oh, Father in heaven, we give thanks to thee for Christ, for the gospel of Christ. We thank thee that thou dost provide for thy church Christ as her cornerstone. And to that end dost give preachers to proclaim him. Keep us faithful, Heavenly Father, and build us up as thy church and as thy people upon Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in him, comfort us through him, and preserve us by his power in our faith and salvation which he has worked in us. In his name we pray, amen.